is Jade Meskill. My name is Roy Vandewater. I'm Chris Connybeer. And I'm Derek Neighbors. All right, and today we will be talking about uh, the cost of interruptions. So why doesn't somebody start us off with, you know, what, what do we consider an interruption to the normal Scrum daily workflow? So to me, I think, well, <laughs> to me, I think that an interruption is anything that's going to be pulling you off of the work that I've actually tasked out and I've, and I've committed to doing this week. Anything that's outside of my particular commitment that I've already made for the week. I, I so that could be any, sorry, go ahead. I definitely agree with that definition too. Like anything that, that could potentially harm my, uh, my commitment or, or takes away the hours that I have available throughout the week that I committed to and then reallocates them to something else. Right. So, you know, I I was kind of thinking right before we walked in here that, uh, you know, I I think that more often than not, um, companies that have a lot of interruptions, I would say have a culture of interruptions. And so then I kind of thought, wouldn't it be funny if we went around and said, uh, you might be a culture interrupted company if... Similar to you might be a redneck if. (laughs) So let me start with you might be a culture interrupted company if everything you have to do is top priority. (laughs) You you might also be an interruption driven company if your interruptions are interrupted. Oh, yeah. Yes, that that made me think we we were like three interruptions deep one time at one of our clients' thing. It was like. It was like inception interruptions, I believe, is what we ended up calling it. Wow. <laughs> Trying to think. You might be an well, interruption-driven company if there's a hierarchy to who can interrupt who. Ooh. You might be an interruption-driven company if you have a person on staff whose job is to manage the interruptions that you get. I can't think of any good ones right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think they're at home. Tweet out if you can think of some. You might be an interruption-driven culture. If, um. yeah, that's great. So, uh, Roy, you've you've recently, you know, you've been working with a client that uh, kind of has this problem. And why don't you tell us about, you know, maybe structure, kind of what the what the daily flow feels like to you while you're over there working with that team. So it kind of starts out at the beginning where um, we we're going through stand up. And we're expressing, you know, we have a we have a standard where everybody expresses they're mad, glad, or sad about something, and everything they say must start with one of those three. And then even though it isn't one of those three, we always get the I hope that today there's no interruptions, or we <laughs> refer to it as Slack. And so we we hope that there's no interruptions today. And then sure enough, as soon as stand up is over, the first thing we get is we get an interruption. And then we start working on that. And then we get the next interruption. And throughout that, like at least I would say on average, like one of our resources there is occupied with interruptions at least the entire morning. And then, so especially if you're that one resource, you get to lunch, you're like, I, I haven't burned on anything on my commitment yet. Like, we've got to be behind. And oftentimes we are. So what do these interruptions look like? So a lot of times they are they are things that that the, the person probably knew about ahead of time, but they did, they just realize now, like, they need it immediately. I think I think that's the majority of the interruptions. So you know, in this in this case, you're working in a in a live production system that's you know managing a, a very physical process, right? There, there's a lot of money and, and things are very time dependent. Uh, do you feel that that is a major contributing factor to the interruptions that you're having? 
Well, I can I can empathize empathize with some of their need for interruptions because like I I we see that there are clients that call in with their own emergencies, and and while I think that we should work towards mitigating those and decreasing those over time, um, there's a lot of interruptions that have nothing to do with clients. They're just like there's there's almost been like because there's been an interruption culture, uh, it, interruption culture is almost bred from the fact that people knew their work wasn't getting done, right? So somebody would uh, put an item in the backlog. And the backlog item would just sit there and not get done because all of these interruptions were constantly taking place that would precede it that were higher priority. So if you added something to the backlog, you knew your stuff wasn't getting done. So a much more, a much safer tactic as one of the stakeholders is to wait until the very last moment and then say, hey, I got this huge priority item right now, and I'm going to throw it in there, and I need this done tomorrow because then you know you actually get it done tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that's a, a huge symptom of uh, a culture that is completely interrupt-driven. And what starts to happen is all planning goes out the window. So I, I know I need this deliverable in six weeks, but I'm not going to really say anything about it or I'm going to casually say, hey, I need this thing in six weeks, but don't worry about it. It's not a big deal right now. And then when I'm two or three days out from needing this thing, it becomes this is the highest priority. This has to be done or the world ends. And I think what happens is when you get into that interruption culture, one of the costs is – People think that if something's not on fire, it's not worth doing. And, and I would think – I think most people who deal with their uh, dental health feel this way, right? <laughs> so until I need a root canal, I don't go to the dentist where if I was brushing my teeth and flossing <laughs> my smiling teeth and pointing. Uh, on a regular <laughs> basis, I could probably prevent ever needing a root canal. And I think that companies fall into this same kind of mentality of – especially when your mouth is just full of cavities all the time. It's like, well, I don't have time to get my teeth cleaned or to brush my teeth. Like I've, I've got a dentist appointment I've got to get to. Don't you understand that? Um, and so I think that one of the cost of interruptions is people start to – Stop! People stop being able to realistically prioritize what's valuable. I, I also think because I've worked at a company before that you know it was a culture of interruptions, and I also think it really starts to break down team because what happens is it starts to become who has the most power, who has the most say. So, so that's a person I got to talk to for my interruption to hurry up and get pushed through, and it starts to break down us working together because all of a sudden you're depending on who has the biggest say so to get my interruption in because there's no true planning and it throws a whole team into chaos and chaos for this is not good it, it, it also makes it impossible to prioritize the backlog because everybody's holding in their stories up until the last moment and release them so you can't really come up with a six-week plan because during that six week there's going to be tons of people that are going to come in with stories say i need this done tomorrow and that's going to happen three weeks from now and so there's no way i can anticipate that ahead of time yeah and so when we're talking about costs i think another huge cost is good decision making because if you have to make a judgment and you've only got 30 i put a gun to your head and i say a or b right now come on a or b right now i'm pulling the trigger um you're probably not going to make a really great decision on that. I know, you, I know plenty of product owners that would have been shot by that point. Right. <laughs> and, and, and so what, what happens is by delaying things until the last minute, until their emergencies, you know, people make all sorts of shortcuts and quality in how they solve the solution, it, whether the solution really needs to be implemented because it's, if we don't do this right now, like this person's going to die. If we don't, if we don't cut their leg off right now, you know, the person could die. Whereas if we were able to, to treat it six months earlier, 
could we have come up with a better solution plan that would have prevented them from having to cut their leg off? And also customer service issues. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, a live environment, when you're hurrying up, like you talked about in, in the amount of shortcuts that you take, what is that, what's that in that I'm going to see in my facing customer when I'm having issues because we made so many shortcuts. And, you know, a lot of times in that, in that environment, you never pay attention to that data. You're never looking at that to make better decisions in the future because it's always just fix it now. And, how, how are you affecting your customers? Right, and that right. becomes a vicious cycle yep. right, right. Of, of just absolute destruction, and, and eventually you implode. Right. So, and, and as a developer, it seems reasonable at first to be like, oh, well, it's just an interruption. But the people who are interrupting start to learn from that, and they think, oh, this is how I get stuff done. And they keep doing it, and then other people catch on, and soon all you have are interruptions, and there is no longer a process. Yeah, and I would say another cost, talking about costs, are I think you lose innovation. Because yeah. instead of being able to make good decisions and to be able to – um, you know, get creative. You're you're always just dealing with like I, I just have to get this out of the door. I don't really have time to apply any yep. kind of creativity here. I, I just I just need to get it done and get it over with and do whatever it takes to get it done. Creativity and and collaboration. Yep. Because a lot of times with that it's it's an idea that somebody had four months ago and like you're saying, Roy, they waited last minute. It never gets vetted. It never works through a team process so the collaboration's gone and you have a single person that could be very well pushing through decisions. So what are some of the things that we can do to uh, expose this? You know, I think a lot of these things happen subconsciously, and it just gets built into the to the DNA and the culture of the company. Nobody's doing it intentionally to, like, screw you or try to work around the system. Some people maybe, but, you know, most people, that's just it, – it just is what it is. So how do we um, expose that to their conscious mind and, you know, show them in such a way that – that they realize, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. How do we fix this? How do we drive people to make that realization? So initially we tried to just have a whiteboard up and on that whiteboard we list out every single interruption and how much time it took. And first it started with just, we, we used a ticketing system, so just a ticket number and then how much time it took and then it grew so that columns kept adding to it. So who worked on it, uh, a brief description of the problem, who was notified and and it very quickly, even even at the point where it was just an ID, uh, a ticket number, and a time, it wasn't any fun, and nobody actually bothered to update it. And we'd get to the end of the week, and we know we'd been interrupted more than five hours, but that's all we have up on the board because nobody managed to track it. So one time during uh, during team lunch, um, I, I had a great discussion with uh, Derek and with Clayton, and Clayton suggested that we blow up one balloon for every 15 minutes of interrupted time. And so we tried that that week. And so every single time somebody came in and said, hey, I need this quickly done, we'd say that's fine, and immediately start blowing up a balloon as we're listening to them describe it. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then as the first 15 minutes passed by and we're working on it, we'd, uh, we'd set that balloon aside and we'd add a second balloon. And by the end of the week, our entire, the, the entire bullpen, the co-working space where we were working, was just filled with balloons. And there were balloons everywhere. <laughs> and everybody walking past thought it, was, uh, thought it was hilarious that there were so many balloons around. But it was a great representation of the fact that the entire floor is coated balloons, and the reason why is because we get interrupted so much. So how do they react to to introducing something like that? So so we so as soon as I heard this, like I thought it was a, a fun idea, and so we went out and bought some balloons. We're just like, we're just gonna do this, and then when we brought it up with the team, they're like, nah, we're not gonna do that. That's that's silly. Like, what if what if we have salespeople walking around, or what if what if uh, the CEO walks past and he thinks it's ridiculous? Like, we're gonna have to explain this to him. Like, we, we're we're spending all our time blowing up balloons instead of working. Like, he's not gonna like that. And so how did, how did you handle that? So, to, to be honest, we just started out blowing up balloons anyway. <laughs> Blo- balloon pump. <laughs> and we, we, just, we just did it. And, then, uh, and, like, it caught on because the balloons became fun to play with. Like, we were working, and while you're thinking, we're, like, tossing balloons back and forth. And it sounds like 
were not working, but it, I, don't, I don't feel like there was less work being done because of it. And what ended up happening is the CEO actually ended up walking past one day and going, what's up with all these balloons? And we ended up explaining that. And he's like, really? That's what they're for? And we're like, yeah, that's, you know, we figured we wanted a good way to visualize this. The board wasn't working, so we started blowing up balloons. And he just thought it was the best idea ever. And he was super excited about it. So it ended up not being that big of a deal, and we didn't end up looking too silly after all. Does, uh, go ahead. So I was just going to ask, at the end of the week with the CEO and whoever else was involved, was there any uh, – did people look at this and did they gain insight? Did management? Um, I will say that we were able to count up how much slack we had, and that allowed us – because we were just able to count up the number of balloons. So we knew that we had 75 balloons. That equates to 18 hours of interrupted time. And so we were able to look at that and say, well, like, wow, we, we didn't realize that all this time was actually being used for interruptions. And so we were able to say, like, it isn't just five hours a week. It is 18 hours a week. And now that we're actually taking the time to track it, we can see that this has a huge impact on our sprint. And, I mean, I, I think the nice thing about doing something visual is it's kind of fun for everybody, right? So instead of being, like, negative, like, oh, man, we're getting interrupted again, it, it makes the interruption a little more tolerable for the person getting interrupted, but it also provides a introduction to a conversation point for the person who's doing the interruption. So, hey, why are you blowing up the balloon? Well, you know, you're, it's an interruption, and it's keeping me from doing what I need to be doing, and so this is how we're tracking it. You know, hopefully that person starts to think twice about, wow, I never really thought of it that way. You know, I'm interrupting Roy by coming over here. You know, maybe I need to be a little more mindful of that. Whether that happens or not, hopefully, you know, if it was continued – people would start to see like, okay, there's, there's a real, very real impact. And, and I think too, they see that they aren't the only ones. Like I right. think a lot of people that come and interrupt us, they only ever see us working and they don't see us getting interrupted by other people. Right. And so they come in and they think like, oh, it's no big deal because it's just me asking for an hour of time right. of their, but then when they see the entire cubicle filled and they're like, what is up with all these, all these balloons? I thought I was just giving you guys an hour a week. Like, yeah, it's you and 15 other people that are also constantly coming in here. Right. Are you still continuing this right now or? So we've kind of been doing it every other week. And it's been noticeable that our successful weeks, and we've only done it for three weeks now with two weeks with balloons and one week without, and it's been noticeable that the two weeks with balloons have been really successful. I wouldn't say that it's because of the balloons because I don't have enough data to go on at this point, but it's certainly more fun when the balloons are around, and we do, uh, and we definitely track Slack better. Like The second we dropped the balloons, it was back to five hours a, a week of, of, uh, of interruptions. Interesting. Of majored interruptions. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. That's right. So we've got just a, a few seconds left here. Um, any other tips or tricks that you guys want to throw out there for dealing with an interrupt-driven culture? Um, I really think sitting down and trying to have some conversations with the people that are making the interruptions and also guy, you know, that are that are also behind allowing the interruptions to continue. Because you have the interrupters, and you also have the people that are in control that allow the interruptions to continue. And I think that especially not even if you're working in a scrum environment, I think having conversations about productivity and the amount of, amount of hours, and then also something visual. I think the idea, like Derek said, it's something that's fun. It's something people can, you know, you can give a quick look to. I, I think that's really good to do. Have, have conversations about what it's like to be interrupted, how many you're seeing, and then try to do something visual. Try to do something that's fun so people don't feel like you're trying to attack and push back on work. Just open up the conversation in a positive way. Great. Well, th thank you for listening to another episode of the Scrumcast. We'll catch you guys next time. See you next time. See you.